Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Hey, Isaiah 58, 12, let's get in. We're going somewhere today. You will build again the old places that the enemy destroyed. And you will build the old houses again. People will call you the person who mends broken walls and the person who builds again streets with houses. Here we find our mission. Here we find our assignment. It's to rebuild. It's to reconstruct people. And uh, we know that the enemy is trying to destroy people. He's trying to destroy marriages. He's trying to destroy our homes. But our assignment as a church is to rebuild. Someone say rebuild. And so, so we are t- called to be involved in the brokenness of humanity, the brokenness of people. If you weren't here last week, uh, get the podcast, but it was an illustrated message. Um, it, it, some of it will translate, some of it won't, but we were breaking some stuff, right? Yeah. And so this is our assignment. And, and really, this was the mission of Jesus. 33 and a half years on earth, three and a half years of his earthly ministry, we see this was his assignment. Actually, he gave his own mission statement. Look at this. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, I, the son of man, have come to what? And do what? Those who are what? Those who are lost. So Jesus was on a search and rescue mission. Jesus was on a search and rescue mission. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. And, and his church, his church, that's you and I, you and I, we are on a rescue mission. Come on, somebody. I came to preach today in my checkered shoes. 845 was on fire today. So I don't know what the 1015's like. Maybe you're struggling, but they were on fire. We are on a search and rescue mission. And so today, with this last installment, of the Hope Dealer Mess series, I want to talk to you about how we can continue to reach more people for Christ, and more specifically, some practical ways to reach people who are lost and broken, some practical ways. I'm going to try to teach, I'm going to try to teach, but I ain't promising you anything, but I'm going to try to teach this because I want to give you some things that you can just take today and you can begin to reach people who are far from God because here's the reality. I believe deep down inside each and every one of you, I firmly believe this. There is a desire in each and every one of you to make a difference in someone else's life. There is a desire to share of the hope that you found in Jesus, the hope that forgave you of your sins, the hope that restored your family and marriage. There, there is a desire, and sometimes we just don't know how to convey that. Sometimes we don't know how to talk to others about the hope that lies within, about the Jesus that we've experienced. And, and so, so today, I want to unpack that because here's the reality. All of us in here today, all of us in here today know people 
know people who are candidates for a life-changing Jesus to show up in their life. They're candidate. They're, they're ready. Some of us work with those people. Some of us neighbor with those people. Some of us live with those people. Some of us are friends with those people, and they're far from God. They're far from God. They, they are a candidate to receive the life-changing Christ that we have received. And, and, and so, so a lot of times we don't know how to tell them about this good news. And, and, and so it's paramount for us to understand, understand how we unpack the good news of the gospel. How, how do we share with our neighbor about how Christ transformed our life? Amen. Now, in the Bible, it says in Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace. Someone say grace. Grace. I love this. Seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul's saying, hey, when you have conversations with people who are lost, people who are broken, people who are unchurched, let your conversation always be full of grace. Someone say grace. Notice it doesn't say let your conversation be full of judgment, condemnation, looking down on others. Come on now. We're real good to love people and have grace on people that sin like us, but not people that don't sin like us. We tend to be judgmental at times. I know I have at times. Let your conversation be full of grace. I love what Paul says. And you know what? Season it with a little salt. Salt makes everything a little better. Now, if you're a health nut and you're on the keto, jito, or whatever diet, I don't know, I can't keep up with them, and you're yoga in it, come on now. I don't know all the stuff that's going down now, keto, and they said eat bacon every day. I'm like, how does that work? You want me to eat bacon every day? My, my cholesterol is going to go through the roof. And then this person says eat donuts every day, and I'm like, sign me up. I'm ready. Krispy Kremes every day diet. I want it. Um, I can't keep up with it, but um, one thing I do know about salt is I love it. (laughs) And I specifically love it when I'm eating a baked potato. The only way, the only way, church. If If you don't get anything today, get this right here. The only way to eat a baked potato is with a lot of butter and a lot of salt. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? amen? Man, they're fired up in church today. <laughs> and cheese and no. <laughs> and so I love what Paul says. He says, hey, your conversation with unchurched people, it should always be full of grace and you should go a little extra with it. Season it with salt. Season it with salt. And, and so, so, so I want to unpack that because uh, some of us been raised in the church most of our lives, and we've had some bad representations of what evangelism is. And evangelism is a word in the church, and it basically means, hey, share your faith. Hey, go outside these four walls and share of the hope that you have found. Hey, tell somebody about Jesus. And, and we know we have been commissioned by Christ that once we experience the forgiveness of our sins, the love of God is in our heart, the Holy Spirit abides within us. We are commissioned to be his ambassadors. We are commissioned, the Bible says, to have the ministry of reconciliation, meaning we go outside these walls and we represent Jesus. Can I tell you one thing today? Some of you are the only Bible people will ever read. Let me ask you a question. 
at your job, in your home, in your neighborhood? Is your life, is your life worth reading to them? Is the example of Christ that you're setting worth them paying attention? Or don't they even know that you're a Christ follower? And I think for most of us, we're kind of hesitant when it comes to sharing our faith. And I get that because I've, I, I, I've had that in my life. And, you know, I just, sometimes I, I, I want to tell people, but, but a few things pop up in my mind. Look at this. Sometimes we are afraid. We are afraid. Have you ever been afraid to share your faith? I have. Have you ever been afraid that someone will make fun of you? I have. I'm the only one. Sometimes we don't feel qualified. Like, what if they ask me a tough Bible question? Like, I know one scripture, pastor, and that's Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. (laughs) So we feel unqualified. I don't have a a Bible college degree. I don't have a theology degree like you, pastor. I, I, I feel unqualified. Like, what if they ask me hard Bible questions? Another reason, we don't want to feel pushy. Nobody likes the pushy car salesman. Come on now. Nobody likes the person that keeps badgering you, keeps badgering you in, in, in an unhealthy way, right? And then the, sec- the last reason is sometimes we're just complacent. We're comfortable in our Christianity. It's kind of like, man, us four and no more are saved, so why should we care about anybody else? I mean, we're doing good, our money's good, our, our marriage is good, let's just enjoy this and let's, let's not worry about all the lost and broken people around us. And so I can identify with this because I felt all four of these in my life and still do at times, and still do at times. And so, so I, I need to remind you today, though, that you do not need a theological degree to share your faith. You do not need to have the whole Bible memorized to share your faith. You, you don't. You, you don't need that in order to share God's love. You don't have to be an expert and you don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes people ask me questions and I just don't have the answer. Some answers I don't think I'll get until I get to heaven. I got a list of questions to ask God. Do you? Because I do. I got a whole list. And I have a theology degree, and I graduated from Bible college, just look at the certificate in my office. (laughs) But I got some questions, God. I don't understand some of this stuff here on earth. But each of us are commissioned by God. We're commissioned by God to share of the hope that lies within, the faith that we have received. And some of us have just maybe been taught the wrong way of how to share our faith. And some of us have seen bad examples. Like, like you don't have to get on the corner and hold the sign up that says hell is hot in the middle of July when it's 110 degrees. I seen someone last year, they, you think this is hot, wait till you go to hell. I mean, who is that reaching? I mean, you don't have to jump up on the break room table at your job and tell everybody, if you don't turn, you're gonna burn. Where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. Wow, I'm freaked out. <laughs> Get away from me. You're weird. <laughs> um, that, that, that's really not what Jesus asked us to do. And so we've seen a lot of bad examples, haven't we? 
And what I've found in my life, I'm just talking about me, it's my opinion, that I've seen life changes in the individual's life that were far from God because of relational equity. Relational equity. The people that I've seen come to Christ, some of my old buddies from high school that are here today, some of my friends, I've seen it through relationship. And I'm still walking with a few of them. I'm still in relationship with them sowing seeds along the way. And so, so I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us that, that each of us are commissioned by God to go out and to be those ministers of reconciliation. I say it like this. Got hope? Now go give hope. Got grace? Experience grace? Now go give grace. Been changed? Now go change a life. Amen? And this is that church where we encourage you to go out. We, this isn't a church where you could just sit there comfortable in your Christianity. We're going to spur you. We're going to nudge you. Come on. Nudge your neighbor with that pointy elbow. Say, I'm going to nudge you. Come on. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. I'm going to nudge you a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to nudge you to go out and to share with others about this Jesus. But where do we start? Where do we, Pastor, where do I start? Where, what does that look like? What does that look like? I, I don't know how to do it. Where do I start? I came prepared to answer that question. It's a great question you just asked, by the way. I'm prepared to tell you. Number one, you can use what you have. Come on, let's say this together. You can use what you have. You can use what you have to reach people that are far from God. In fact, this is the very first way we see the gospel spreading by an unlikely candidate named Levi. He was a tax collector, also known as Matthew. You remember Matthew, right? The tax collector who was part of Jesus' team. And Jesus starts his earthly ministry. And the first thing he does is he assembles his small group. Because Jesus knew he couldn't accomplish it alone. Jesus knew he needed individuals. Even though Jesus knew one of them would be a devil. Come on, somebody. There may be one devil in your small group. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not really. Not really. Not really. Watch out. Um, (laughs) Aren't you glad you can laugh at church? Some churches you can't laugh. Like, it's a sin to laugh. Like, it's crazy. It's a sin to laugh in church in some places. But we have fun here. Look at this. Look at this. The life of Matthew. His life was changed by Jesus, and he simply couldn't keep this Jesus to himself. So what did he do? What did he do? Look at Luke chapter 29, 529. Then Levi, or Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. He threw a party. Now he just encountered Jesus and he right away says, I'm going to throw a party. Okay, who are you going to invite? A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them, but the Pharisees, the church leaders, the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with such tax collectors and sinners? I'm sure that's how they said it. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Someone say the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love this story because Matthew said, my life was transformed by Jesus. And I'm going to use what I have to, to impact other people. What did he have? He had a nice crib. Come on now. He had a nice house. He was an IRS man. He had some money. 
You know, you know those IRS people, they, their pockets is lined. Lined, son. They lined. Matthew didn't really know anything about how to share his faith. He wasn't a preacher or pastor, no biblical training, didn't know any scriptures, hadn't been raised in church. The only thing this guy knew how to do was throw a party, and that's exactly what he did. He went on Facebook, and he sent the invites out. Come on, work with me a little bit. He fired up the grill and threw some ribs. Come on, holler at your boy. Some chicken. Come on now. And, and he fired up the grill. The music was bumping. Lecrae was like riding with my top down, listening to my Jesus music. Anyway, I mean, he threw the Warriors game on the big screen. Come on now. Sweeping the Raptors. He put that up. Obviously, I modernized the story, friends. But Matthew, all he knew that all he knew was to use what he had. What did he have? Influence. He had influence, and he had a nice crib, and he had money. So he threw a party and invited all his sinner friends. The scripture says it. It's right there. All his friends who were far from God. He invited them to this party with Jesus there. You imagine that party. They were like, yo, Matthew, we about to get lit. Where's the Bacardi? He's like, no, 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 man. Jesus is here. <laughs> That's after Jesus leaves. When JC leaves, we break out the Bacardi, but not now, not now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lighten up. Fear God. But his life had been so impacted that he said, I'm going to use what I have to reach my friends who are far from God. What do you have? Hmm. What do you have that you can use to reach people that are far from God? Because in the same way Matthew used what he had to reach people, you too can reach people that are far from God. Maybe you do like to throw parties and host parties, and maybe you do invite people who are far from God to those parties, and maybe seeds are planted in them. Maybe it's not an invite right away, but maybe it's just like telling them when they ask, man, how come you don't show up on the weekends with us anymore? Well, let me tell you about what God has done in my life. And maybe it's a seed you're planting because the Bible says one plants, one waters, but God brings the increase. And maybe you like to host parties. Maybe you love to cook. Come on now. And maybe there's some college students that love to eat free meals. I guarantee you invite a college student over to your house. They come in early, folks. They don't show up to class early. They're showing up to a free meal early. Because they're sick of Raymond noodles. They're sick of peanut butter and jelly. They're sick of off-brand chips. They're sick of Dr. K. <laughs> this is so much fun. Maybe you like sports, you like basketball. Maybe you get together and play ball with people who are far from God. And they're watching you. So watch what you say when you miss that shot. Watch what you say when they foul you. You're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. Maybe you love to hunt and fish. You like to shoot stuff. Come on, somebody. Come on. Maybe you like to go to the gun range and target practice. Amen. Get your buddies. Let's go to the woods. Let's shoot anything that moves. <laughs> right? And, 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 and maybe you get together and you're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. 
Maybe you like working on cars and fixing them up. And maybe you got a group of guys that love it too, but they're far from God. You invite them over. Hey, let's get together. Let's get together. And you're planting seeds and you're, you're using what you have to reach people that are, are you hearing this today? This is good preaching. What is your hobby? What is your hobby? Maybe some of you ladies like to sew and you throw a sewing party. Come on, somebody. And you make a blanket or an afghan. I don't know. You make fuel shorts. I don't know. (laughs) But you use what you have to reach somebody. Everybody in here has something they can use to reach someone for Christ. Maybe you got a real nice house and, 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 and you want to invite people who are on their journey of recovery over once a month. And you want to throw a meal together and treat them like kings and queens. Well, I just don't want anybody in my house that'll mess it up. Well, let me, let me just encourage you with this. Let me encourage you. Don't be so in love with stuff that you fall out of love with people. Don't be so in love with stuff. I, I'm, for, I'm for nice stuff. I'm for nice house, nice car. But don't be so in love with stuff that you fall out of love with people. Some, there's people in here. There's a lot of people. I couldn't name them all because there's so many that are using what they have. They're using what they have to reach people. Some people are using their vehicle to help addicts find a job, to help get them down to, uh, celebra- uh, to celebrate recovery, to help get them down to home of grace. Some people are helping people. They're using what they have. They're using their home. They're using the resources God has given them to help people. Use what you have. Use what you have. I don't know what you have. You know what you have. Because here's the reality. If you just use what you have for you and your family, it's a very shallow life to live. It's very shallow. And some of you have been blessed in big ways. Some of you have businesses that are prospering. Some of you, your your income has doubled in the last 12 months. And God is saying, will you use what you have to reach people that are far from God? Just like Matthew, ordinary guy. I don't know about you, but I'm an ordinary guy. I just want to use what I have so I can help people come to know Christ. And you can do the same thing. Number two, how do we share our faith? How how do we tell of this hope? How do we reach the broken and lost? You can invite someone to church. You can invite someone to church. You see that invite card that's on your seat? Some of you didn't know, but you're sitting on it. Some of you just farted on it. It's on your seat. It's under there. It's, it's, it's right there. Not, yep, you just felt it. Yep, someone just grabbed it right there. That's called an invite card. We believe in the power of an invite. We believe in the power of the in, an invite. And they're out in this lobby right on the wall. Take cards, change lives, it says. Why? Because one card can change somebody's life. How many are sitting here today because someone invited you? Throw your hand up. Throw your hand up. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look at how many people are here because somebody invited them. You, you now can turn around and invite somebody. You now can. Now listen, and we see this in John chapter four, a powerful story about a woman who was hurt, bruised, beaten, had a lot of hurts in life and bad experiences with men, actually had four husbands and she was living with her fifth man. Come on now. You think days of our lives has scandal. <laughs> Read the Bible. <laughs> you think reality TV is jacked up. Read the Bible. And that's what I love about the Bible, because it meets us right where we're at. 
She met Jesus at that well. You remember that Samaritan woman. You remember that Jesus sat down, had a conversation full of grace, seasoned with salt with her. You remember that she felt bad and Jesus said, hey, honey, you're coming to get some natural water, but I'm here to give you the living water. And it's, it's the ultimate thirst quencher. Gatorade ain't got nothing on the water I'm going to give. <laughs> Come on now. And she experienced the living God. Look what happened. John chapter 4, verse 28. Then leaving the, her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to who? The people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward them. What did she do? Well, I'm going to tell you what she didn't do. She didn't have any scriptures memorized. She didn't preach to them. She didn't even pray for them. She simply invited everyone to come and see the Savior that changed her life. Come and experience this Jesus that I've experienced. And she invited them. She invited them out. She invited them out. Don't ever underestimate the power of these invite cards. We print them so that you can invite people to come and see the Savior that's changed their life. To come and experience Jesus. This church has no power to save them or change them. But Jesus in this church does have the power to change the human heart. And the human heart has the power to change our community. Because Jesus dwells in us. Hmm? So, so, so she sent an invite out. Because just like this woman who had a very hard life, life didn't go well for her. Not raised in church. Some of you have never been in church till now. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of regrets, a lot of wrong decisions. Just like this woman, we also have people in our lives that are hurting. We see them at work. And sometimes we get so callous to the hopelessness, the pain, and the brokenness of humanity that we walk past them every day. And they're there. And they just want to know who Jesus is. They want to experience the Jesus you've experienced. We see them in our neighborhood. We see them at the gym. We see them at school. We see them at the grocery. Maybe one invite could be the very catalyst that changes their entire family. One invite be the catalyst that causes them to get baptized, that causes them to get in a small group, that causes them to serve on the dream team. Come on now. Some of you are here because one invite, and some of you have been baptized and serving and in small groups because of one invite. Just think if we all did that. Well, I just thought it was the pastor's job and the church's job to invite. No, you've been commissioned by God to go out and to share of the hope that you found, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a hurting world. Invite cards, Facebook invites, shares, check-ins, all lead to people coming to know Christ. I believe this week God will use you to lead someone to Christ through one simple invite. One invite could get them here. One invite could be the very thing they needed, and their hand shoots up at the end saying, yes, include me in on that prayer. So you can use what you have, number one. Number two, you can invite someone to church. And as you can tell with the spiritual sound of the keyboard, I'm out of time. (laughs) He makes me sound so spiritual when he plays. I just want to take him everywhere I go. I want to put him in my pocket. 
Can you make me sound spiritual when my wife wants to argue? (laughs) Number three, you can share your story. Do you know that your story has power? Well, I don't really have that story like I was never addicted. I was never abused. I was never this or that. No, you have a story. You have a story of how God healed you somewhere in your life, how God saved you, how God showed up. He healed your body. He healed your mind. He healed your, you have a story of redemption that somebody needs to hear. See, you're going to reach people that I'll never reach and I can reach people that you'll never reach. And if we all do our part, we're going to reach a community because why our time is short. Eternity is real. Heaven and hell are real. They are a reality. And every day people are going to a Christless eternity. Every day. So just because the Hope Dealer series is ending doesn't mean our assignment is ending. We're just getting started. Because the rest of our life is the best of our life. I said the rest of our life is the best of our life. And I, and I love this. I love, you. I love this because you can't argue with someone's story. We can argue doctrine. We can argue scripture. And the Bible says not to do that. So don't get involved in that. Right? But you can't argue with someone's story. And one time Jesus healed a blind man. In the book of John, and tons of skeptics criticized Jesus. They were calling him a con and a sinner. Then in John chapter 9, 25, the healed man said this. Look at this. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know. One thing I do know. (laughs) I was blind, but now I see. Woo! That'll preach. What did this man do? He simply told his side of the story. We're called to be a witness to tell our side of the story. They continue asking him. If you read on, they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Why? Because this man's story had the power to get even the skeptic to start believing. And so does yours. Your story has power. I love that we have an email. It's called mystory@thefuelchurch.com. Every almost every week we get stories of people. And I love to read them because it's so powerful to read your guys' stories of how God has came in and changed your life. Continue sharing them, continue sending them to us. Because here's the reality as we wrap up. Here's the reality. Each and every one of you, you can use what you have to reach people that are far from God. You can. Each and every one of us can invite somebody to God's house. And each and every one of us, it puts us all on level playing ground. Each and every one of us have a story. We have a story. And what you're going to see as you plant these seeds, remember, one plants, one waters, but it is who? God that brings the increase. God brings the harvest in. The Bible says, least the Holy Spirit draw them. The Holy Spirit draws them unto the Savior. We plant seeds. And I'm going to tell you this, there is no greater joy or fulfillment that I've ever had in in my life than when I see someone that I know I planted seeds in raise their hand, say that prayer of salvation, and give their heart to Jesus. The Powerball ain't got nothing on that. It, It will help us build more churches. So if you win, let me know. I ain't playing. I ain't playing. If you win, let me know. We got a bunch of churches to build. But I'm going to tell you this, there's not a greater fulfillment than being a part of someone's spiritual journey, knowing 
They said yes to Jesus and that if they were to die today, their home would be heaven and not hell. That's a great feeling, y'all. And every one of you can experience that. Amen? Every one of us can experience this. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that you have commissioned each and every one of us to be the hope dealers within our community, within our households, within our jobs. Lord, you're showing us ways that we can use what we have to reach people far from God. You're showing us people to invite this week, people that we walk by every day, maybe at work, maybe in our neighborhood. One simple invite, a card to our neighbor. One simple invite, a card to our coworker. And Lord, we can share our story, Lord. May we never be fearful. May we never be ashamed of our story, but may we share our story with those who are far from you, God, knowing that we're planting seeds. We're planting seeds, and eventually, God, you will bring the harvest to their life. God, show us this week, show us this week who we can deal some hope to. We have the answer. Lord, we have the answer, and it's very simple. It's you, Jesus. You've changed our lives. You've changed our lives, and we're so grateful for what you've done, so grateful for the journey that we are on. We're on a journey, a spiritual journey. We're not perfect, but we are forgiven. We're not perfect, but we are forgiven, and we thank you for the journey that we are on today. May we be the hope dealers you've called us to be. Now, maybe you're here, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to accept Jesus into your life. We're gonna say a prayer with you in just a moment. There's some people here, maybe this is new to you. You're new to church. Maybe this is your first, second, third time. You've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ. For most of you that I'm talking to, you've made that decision, but you've fallen away from that relationship for one reason or another. It really doesn't matter. What matters in these next few moments is you acknowledge that, say, I'm ready to come back to God. I'm ready to give my heart once again. I'm ready to surrender. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to call you up front, okay? But before we pray today, You say, Jacob, that's me. Include me in on this prayer that we're about to pray. Shoot your hand up right now. Shoot it up right now. Let me see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shoot it up, shoot it up. Yeah, yeah, front to the back. Yep, all all different ages shooting their hands up. Yep, anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? You wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's the most important decision you can ever make, sir, ma'am. I don't know what tomorrow holds. It's not promised. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It's not promised to us. If your heart would stop beating today, do you know where eternity is for you? If you can't answer that with the dominant 100% yes, eternity is heaven for me, throw that hand up. I want you to be sure. I want you to be sure. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Hands up in every section, every section. Let's say this prayer together. Come on, church. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come live in me, and I will live for you. Thank you for the cross that gives me a fresh start. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's rejoice. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.